Spears' plate and I'd be like, okay, well, she eats half a piece of grain toast and an egg white omelette for breakfast and I'm a little like Welcome to The Boundless Self, a podcast that is here to explore all of the ways in which we limit ourselves. Together, we will explore the deep, messy, exciting and often uncomfortable topics to identify and heal everything that keeps you from believing in your boundless potential. I'm your host, Kathleen McBride, and becoming boundless changed everything for me. Now I run a life and a business embracing my own fears and helping people all around the world to believe in themselves. Tune into each episode and join me on your journey of becoming your most boundless self. Welcome back to another episode. And damn, today um, has been an incredibly exciting day. I've been recording podcasts all over the show with these amazing and incredible guests. And this episode that I have for you today is with someone so, so special. You'll hear a bit about why I'm such a fangirl of hers in the episode. Today I'm bringing on Sammy. She is a registered counsellor. She's a weight-inclusive personal trainer and body confidence coach from Brisbane, Australia. Now, Sammy specialises in helping women improve their relationship with food and their bodies. She also helps people to manage stress, anxiety, improve confidence, and to start living a life that actually feels good to them. She is such an amazing human being and such an incredible person to follow on social media. So please make sure to take a look at everything that she offers. I will link all details to her socials as well. But today we're going to have a really powerful conversation about binge eating and emotional eating. The relationship that these two things have with body image as well and what that journey is like. Going through healing your relationship with food, healing your relationship with your body, what restriction does not only at a physiological level to the body but in terms of your mindset as well. Sammy shares with us so many beautiful tips and tricks to improve your relationship with food and in turn shares some amazing vulnerable stories about what her journey was like when she was doing this work herself and how she starts to apply this work with her own clients. I am excited. So let's dive into today's episode. And as always, if you love this, please make sure to give it a five-star review. Share and sharing the show to you, with your friends and family or on your social media pages is the best way that you can support it. And it's a huge favor that I have to ask for you. I have incredible dreams for the podcast this year. And I'm really, really excited to be recording some of these episodes with these fantastic guests So if you have a moment to share it with the world, share the lessons that you're learning and make sure to tag me on social media. I'm at Kathleen.MindsetCoach and let's go. Episode of The Boundless Self and today I'm so excited because we have the amazing Sammy Rose on and I can't wait for you to all meet her. I'm a a personal fangirl. I shared with her my fangirl story before we we jumped on and hit record for this podcast. I've been following her for such a long time and you really were such a pivotal person. You were the first person that I ever saw on social media that was talking about body acceptance, that was talking about the fact that you can't love yourself into, you know, you can't hate yourself into a body that you love. Like you were so vocal about it. You were posting, you know, unflattering angles and what bodies really look like in the gym. And I was just like, I was like such a, a breath and a sigh of relief. I was like, oh my God, thank goodness. Because social media was becoming such a dark and scary place and I, you were just such a bright and shining light. So thank you in, in advance for well, not advance, thank you for all of the amazing work that you've done with your socials over the years and just being who you are. But welcome to the show. 
stop. You're so nice. Thank you. <laughs> That's so sweet and so touching. And I'm glad that my content resonates. Like I certainly do not like pioneer the body acceptance movement or anything like that. But I think the audience that I had at the time was very fitness industry focused. It was lots of people that were either working in the fitness industry or focused on health and fitness stuff in particular. And I think like I was one of the early adapters of coming out of that and talking more about body image and struggles with eating in the fitness space in particular. Um, but I'm so happy that that helped so much. I love hearing that. Yeah. So. No, it totally did. And and you're right because yeah, I, I was a personal trainer. I was in the gym and the health and yeah. fitness environment and that's how I kind of found you. And it was, yeah, it was such, you know, when you see somebody else doing something and you're like, just thank the effing Lord. Like this is such a permission statement for me that I, I didn't need to try and be this, you know, fitness influencer that looked a certain way that, you know, was just only promoting one way of exercise and one way of a body to look. It was, it was just freaking fantastic. And it opened me up into a whole world, like you said, of people um, that are that are there. I think sometimes on social media, it can be really scary because it's like your feed narrows in sometimes. Uh, yeah. And then you, you do sometimes have to make the effort to get out of the box that you're in on your, on your social media by, you know, actually going out there and following a diverse range of people. Um, and that's so, so, so important, but Sammy, your work is amazing and super excited to have you here on the show. I asked Sammy to jump on here because I really, really wanted to do an interview with an expert in the area of binge and emotional eating. This is something that I've personally struggled with. It's something I know lots of my clients do. I support a lot of my clients with it, but I really, I know Sammy that you have such knowledge in this space and let's dive the hell in because it's such a complex topic. So my first question is the big why. Why do we binge eat? Why do we emotionally eat? Um, there are lots of reasons. Um, and that's really a big part of the work that I do, I guess, with each individual client is to hone in on what are your individual triggers? You know, what are the reasons that you eat? Because it is actually like, there's no one answer to it. Um, I mean, it kind of goes into sort of two or three subcategories. There's like the food side of it and then there's the emotional side of it. So the food side of it is usually off the back of some kind of a physical or mental restriction. If we're eating too few calories, missing meals, anything that's kind of got an immense amount of hunger that we then kind of overcompensate, that can lead to a binge. So if you went six hours since your lunch and you haven't eaten and you're wondering why you're just like rummaging through the cupboard and can't wait till dinner like that's probably why um and that's kind of the food side of things but the emotional side of things is far more complex and can be a range of emotions let me say emotional eating it's not just sadness or you know anxiety or anything like that like it can absolutely be stress but it can be boredom it can be loneliness it can even be like positive emotions it can just oh my god relief after a long day to be like oh I just want something that just kind of a little cherry on top like there are so many reasons and ultimately when it comes to emotional eating it is just essentially like using food as a coping tool and so my question to clients when they're telling me that they're using food as a coping tool, my question is, what is it that you're struggling to cope with? Like, let's pinpoint exactly what that emotion is behind it and what 
scenarios or people or thoughts or feelings are creating that emotion and let's see that as the issue, right? Because I think a lot of people see binge eating as the problem. I don't see binge eating as the problem. It's definitely a behavior we want to work on, but I see binge eating as just a faulty solution to another different problem, right? And the actual problem is whatever is triggering these emotions in your inability to deal with those emotions. So pinpointing what's actually causing that feeling and then giving another like alternate and essentially more effective coping tool kind of just renders the binge eating redundant in that scenario. We say, cool, we know why it's happening. We know what to look out for and sooner next time. So that doesn't kind of pile up and we know when you feel this particular feeling or you're presented with this scenario, here are a couple of other coping tools that we want to try that we know are effective for that actual root cause. And usually that is one of the biggest changes that you can do in kind of moving away from binge eating. Mm, Totally. And you're so right around the emotional connection that we have to food already, right? Like even, you know, like, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all these, you know, quote quotation marks happy holidays there's a lot of times when we are super emotional and we eat we eat a lot of food you know so Mm -hmm. it's so tied tied in I think to our brains as well you know that oh food can accompany emotions whether they're you know positive emotions or whether they're more uncomfortable emotions sometimes it doesn't necessarily change but I hear you in saying that it's a coping mechanism for something deeper underneath and so what You talked a lot about coping mechanisms. What are some examples? Like we see, you know, the unhealthy coping mechanisms, but what are some healthy coping mechanisms that you would recommend to people to almost switch it out with, you know, if you can? Yeah, um, I think identifying like what actual emotion first is probably most important because the right coping tool will kind of depend on the scenario. But I think just anything that allows you to kind of float out and check in with yourself first is really important. So a lot of the early stages with clients that I will do in my counseling sessions is kind of get that identification of what it is that we're looking out for and then say, let's just take a five to 10 minute pause, right? Let's say I'm noticing that urge to binge or I'm noticing that feeling of overwhelm or whatever the triggering emotion may be. Let's stall for five to 10 minutes. Just take yourself out of the situation, break the pattern more than anything. So instead of just default going straight to the pantry, let's take you to your bedroom, right? And just have five to 10 minutes where we can just say, if I still want to eat after I can, but I just want to see if I can really check in with what I'm feeling and think, is there a better solution? So if the underlying feeling is say loneliness, right? You haven't spoken to a person all day because you work from home and you're home alone and none of your friends around, you feel really bored and just anxious all on your own. Okay. Well, you're seeking connection. Do you have a pet you can connect with? Can you call a friend or family member? Can you leave the house and like go and get dinner somewhere where there's other people around just to feel some level of human interaction? Um, That will often be a better fit for that underlying feeling, right? But food is probably a companion in that scenario in your sort of go-to coping tool that kind of does a little fix that feeling of, of loneliness but not as much as these other kind of alternatives would um whereas if it's something like stress anxiety overwhelm if that's the kind of group of feelings that is being triggered um we would probably want to do something that's relaxing so take that five to ten minutes check in yep i am definitely feeling anxious i am not sure why but it's just how i'm feeling cool 
what can I do to relax my nervous system in particular? And that's a lot of the work that I do with my counseling clients as well is on like nervous system regulation. Um, and do we need to have you just do a little 10 to 15 minutes of meditating? Do you need to go for a walk outside or pop in the shower and turn it right up to a nice, like steamy little hint shower? And like, oh my God, it feels like a big warm hug. I love a hot steamy shower when I'm feeling overwhelmed. Um, and there are such simple things, right? They're simple things, but you have to find the right thing based on how you're feeling. So I kind of equate it to like binge eating is trying to put like a square peg in a round hole and it, mm. you might be able to kind of squish it in there or it just kind of blocks the hole for a second and you forget there's a hole under there, but you actually need to go, let's take a step back and say, there's a round hole here. Can I look for a round peg? Mm. Oh, that is such a good example. And you're so right with that that point around, you know, say loneliness, for example. Like I know when I binge eat or emotionally eat, a lot of the time it is covering for that feeling of loneliness. And it almost, sometimes it sounds silly to say, but food does feel like company sometimes, right? Like it can feel warm and nourishing and your body gets warm and full and some, especially something like, you know, nice warm soup or an ice cream sundae, you know, whatever it is you're vibing. And Sammy, what I really love about the way you approach all of this, though, is you're very intent on not making food the enemy. You're very, very intent on that. And I think that's so important. And I know you work a lot with clients around healing their relationship with food. And I'm really curious what your relationship with with food was like and that part of your journey was. My relationship with food has been very complex over the years. It's changed a lot. And I'm in a good place now in the last, like, four to five years um I've really done a lot of healing but uh, I definitely have dieted for a lot of my life and the earliest diet I was probably maybe 11 or 12 when I wanted my first diet because I would just see what my mom was doing and she was doing all those crazy fad diets the soup diet and shake diet and I would just kind of hack along with what she was doing she would never like make me do that or anything like that um but I just didn't feel good in my body from a young age and kind of just wanted to replicate what other people were doing and that's where I learned my relationship with food like largely from mom and from people at school but a lot of it was from like celebrities and I was in the age of like pre-social media where it was all in the magazines right and there'd be magazines in the aisles at the supermarket and it would be all of the best and worst beach bodies. And it would also be like, this is what this celebrity eats in a day. And they would have, you know, the saddest little breakfast of an egg white omelet and half a piece of toast. And I'd be like, well, like, I want to look like Britney Spears. And if that's what Britney Spears looks like and eats that, well, like, that's what I'm going to do. So I think I just spent so much time not knowing what balanced eating was or not knowing what was the right amount of food and kind of food that actually worked for me because I just was trying to kind of copy everyone else um and so there was so much guilt around like eating indulgent foods I would always feel like I was doing something wrong because I'd look at these like day of eating articles and be like well you know this celebrity doesn't eat that stuff so like I clearly should be having like salad and soup all of the time um And that just kind of fed into me sort of gaining weight over the years. Instead of all of these diets helping, like, honestly, it just kind of made me swing the other way. And I just was like, I don't really know how to look after myself. I only know how to diet really extremely 
or nothing. Um, and then, yeah, started my fitness journey, tried to kind of learn and understand a little bit more with good intentions initially, and then just got sucked right back into it. Right back into like the diet culture wormhole where again, like now it was like, coaches telling me what I should and shouldn't eat or I was looking to people on Instagram and being like oh their body is something that I want so I'm going to copy what they ate and it's just there was so much of that in my life unfortunately and I think many of us probably have a similar story of just so many of these sort of food rules or silly things that we've done that we've picked up from other people that is just not either either it's terrible advice full stop or it's advice that just doesn't apply to us and that's what I've really learned over the more recent years is like, it doesn't really matter to me what anyone else eats. Like their portion size is so irrelevant to me, right? Whether they eat more or whether they eat less than me, it's like, they're not the exact same like level of hunger that I am. They don't need the same amount of energy as I do. Like whatever it may be, like I've learned to just kind of take a step back from all of that and say, I know how my body feels. I've actually learned to pay attention to that now mm-hmm. um, and gauge what makes me feel good and what energizes me. And do I need more food or less food today based on like my hunger? Um, and so that has just been a very like self-informed route to go down where I've just really tried to stay in tune with myself. And I'm not going to say that I nail it because there are definitely times where I eat like more chocolate than what makes me truly feel good. But I'm yeah. like, like I'm, I'm enjoying it yeah totally. yeah like just letting go of all of that stress and guilt and the pressure of what I think I like quote-unquote should be eating like oh. that's just out the window I'm like I don't really care what anyone thinks I should be eating I'm the only one that lives in this body and I'm just gonna do the best I can oh my god like I think about the amount of mental energy I used to spend either like counting calories, planning macros, figuring out what I was going to eat that day, you know, thinking about the meals I was going to have, researching recipes, making up like meal plans, entering it into my fitness pal. And oh, that jaded moment in the shower at the end of the day where I would list everything I ate that day and decide, essentially decide whether I was worthy of love or whether I was worthy of, you know, beating myself up for the next 12 hours until I got to the gym next, you know. And I loved that point that you made around you being, like listening to your hunger cues and your energy levels and requirements are going to be different to somebody else's. Have you ever experienced that moment? It was something I used to struggle with so much. Being out at dinner with friends or, you know, have friends over for something and they would eat, you know, one bit of their pizza. So I would eat one bit of my pizza and I would, oh, they had two pieces of chocolate. So I could have two pieces of chocolate. I didn't want to eat anything more than what they were eating. And I would be sitting there ravenous being like, I just want to finish my food. And I'd be like, oh, you can't, you can't eat more than they eat. You can't do it, you know? Yeah, I don't know that I like compared bite for bite as much, but I definitely was very aware of like the pace that other people were eating. And for me, it was more like confusion, right? Like I would be at a party or something and say there's like chips and lollies and stuff in front of us all. And I would be like, no one else is eating it. I don't want to put my hand back in there again, but also how are they not eating it, right? That was what was more in my head. It was like, having this conversation and the bowls of food are right there and they're not eating it and every it's taking every ounce of my willpower not to just like hoe it down like oh my god yeah like i wouldn't 
fathom. I couldn't fathom how people weren't struggling with that. Like, and that was just such a big part of my journey was just, I felt like it was so normal to struggle because I just, that's just how I'd always felt. And I had a lot of friends who did feel the same way as well. So it kind of like normalized it, I guess, which was helpful in a way to have people that could relate, but also then just kind of forgot that that's not normal. <laughs> and so there were just so many times where that would happen and I'd be like, how, how can you, how, or how, can you, how can you go and have like a burger or something that was like not a quote unquote healthy meal and have that and go home and not eat ice cream and chocolate and binge have to start again tomorrow? Like how could people just do that effortlessly? At least it seemed that way. And I, I literally, when I was at my kind of worst with my binge eating, which was after a really long period of like hardcore dieting for mm-hmm. far too long, um, I was like pretty strictly dieting for about two years straight when I was doing like bikini and bodybuilding competitions. And off the back of that, I had this massive, just huge struggle with binge eating for several months. I gained quite a lot of weight in that period. And I was like, I just don't understand why everyone else can do it or why I can only, I could be quote unquote good with dieting. Like I could be really freaking restrictive. But the second that was imperfect, it like totally swung the other way. All I knew how to diet, all I knew how to do was diet or binge. Like I didn't know how to just live in between. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember seeing a psychologist and she didn't specialize in eating issues. I actually found it really hard to find someone who could help me with where I was at. Cause it was kind of either people weren't trained in eating disorders at all, or I had to go to like a full blown eating disorder clinic. And I just wasn't, I didn't feel like that was the right fit for me. Um, I just said to the psychologist, like, I just want to learn how to eat like a normal person. Like, I don't understand why I can't just go to dinner and be like, cool, go home and go to bed like I I, it had to be either a perfectly calorie tracked salad and be really good or it was this is YOLO if I eat something that's not perfectly tracked or that's not healthy with nutrients if I happen to have sushi I'd be like well that's over for me today I will get food on the way home I will eat at home I will be eating peanut butter out of the jar and I'm gonna wake up and feel like shit tomorrow but then I'm gonna be like good again tomorrow and that's all I knew how to do Mm, I so resonate so deeply with it and I know a few of my friends few of my clients they all you know have experienced something very similar and I remember having that moment as well being like how the f do people not struggle with this like there's a like I remember watching a movie with friends and there being an entire block of chocolate you know that we were all sharing and I remember being like how the hell are they not diving into this how they're finishing it and I one of the most challenging things in one of my relationships one of my partners was this person that just like literally didn't care about food like they enjoyed you know can of coke they enjoyed some chocolate but they could like I remember an entire like you know king size block would last them like two months in the fridge and I I've replaced it like three times because I ate it you know I'm like how are you doing this like this is insane you know and I think for me I grew up in the household where you know it was either it was that energy of I don't trust myself with the food so I won't have it in the house right so there was always the we would have you know big periods of binges with 
you know, the food and we would eat it all so that it was gone. And then we would try and not buy it for as long as possibly could, you know? And again, I really resonate there. It was either that all or nothing. Like I'm, I'm the same. I'm, I'm great at dieting. I'm actually great at doing any sort of challenge, you know, any sort of strict challenge that you want to give me. I'll nail it. I know I can, but the backside of that, oh God, you better watch out. You know, it's a scary moment in time. I don't know what's going to come out of me after that such intense period of restriction. And so tell us, Sammy, what is it about restriction? You know, that energy of dieting. You said you dieted for like two years, right? So no wonder on the back end of that, that there's like a little monster inside of you that's like, ah, I'm so hungry, you know? Literally. Um, what is it about restriction that can trigger that restriction binge mentality so much, do you think? I think it's just the swinging of the pendulum. Like the harder you swing to one side, the more restrictive you are, the more you can rebound the other side. And it just creates this like, for me, it was almost like a rebellion because I, I it took so much for me to be strict. I could do it, but it consumed me. And it was exhausting and every thought was around what could I eat? What can't I eat? How does my body look? What do I weigh today? And it was so mentally draining that I kind of just craved the freedom of that fuck it mindset. I was like, okay, if I just don't think about it for a second, switch my brain off and just eat whatever the fuck I want. There's this blissful period in between the chaos that I just forget for a second and my brain just leaves my body and I'm just enjoying the chocolate before the guilt sits in, right? Oh, but it's blissful, but it's probably like three minutes, right? But like, I'm like, this is the one time I don't have to think about it and I just want it so badly. And I, I think because I didn't know how to eat those things in moderation very well either. Like I did at certain points and definitely when I was kind of tracking my calories and macros, I try and include things that I liked I wasn't completely living off like egg whites and lettuce but like I don't think I really ever could have the quantity that felt right so it wasn't necessarily physically restricting that, that food flat out but it was like I would want chocolate so I would allow myself to have like two squares or a little freddo when really it's like I just needed like a freaking Twix bar like the damn little freddos right yeah like buying a whole you know fun size bag of chocolates being like great this will last me you know my it. and I'm like first night in I'm like oh great okay cool you know and I remember you know like you said there is that sweet spot where you go for the binge you know or you find for me I used to find myself you know literally hid in the pantry random times of the day or night like spoonful of peanut butter, whatever I could get my hands on. Yep. And it was almost like I disassociated entirely to what was happening. And it gave me that, like you said, that sweet spot, that moment, that break from all the mental energy and mental load of worrying about what I'm eating, what my body looks like today, you know, and whether I have to punish myself or whether um, at the gym or whether I get to, you know, be kind to myself today or whether I decide I'm worthy of love today, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like that disassociation is so key because if you're chasing relief in that moment and a little bit of like a break for your nervous system, that's where like as a client, if you were one of my clients, I'd be like, cool, we need to pinpoint that that's the moment that we're getting to 
where are we getting overwhelmed in the lead up? Is it that it's the food stress? Is it other stress? Is it feelings of not good enoughness? When we start to feel that, instead of dissociating and switching your brain off straight into food, do we need to meditate? Do we need to find a way to get a sense of like that mindfulness? And it sounds so annoying and woo-woo. Like I get <laughs> that people are like, no, I hate it, Steve. I bread. Yes, yeah, I didn't want the chocolate. But like it's actually been proven to be extremely helpful. But you have to catch it sooner, right? That's the thing. By the time you get to that point of dissociation where your brain is just like totally heated out of your head, like it's really hard to stay present in that moment. So there are grounding techniques and things that you can do, but totally resonate with what you're saying. And I think it's just, it's such an all or nothing thing a lot of the time, whether it's based on, you know, that dieting and restriction side of things, or whether it's based on emotions or like typically it's a combination of both. All of it comes down to like, yeah, just kind of bouncing into extremes and feeling like food is the only way to solve the problem. And technically food does solve the problem of restriction which is why it's like not a totally incorrect coping tool in that way right but it's about like let's not restrict in the first place and then the binges won't happen right but the more you restrict the less control you're gonna have when you swing the other way Mm -hmm. and I guess you know biologically if you're creating that almost internal sense of a famine right like you're saying yeah we all no, there's nothing here. Even though there is, you know, it's no wonder that when you do get the chance to eat again, your body's like, oh crap, let's fill this, let's store this for when this, you know, quotation mark famine happens to us again and our next diet or our next, you know, seven day juice cleanse, let's store this away so that we've got something to work with in the future. It's probably actually quite smart for our bodies to be continuing to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's kind of an anticipatory restriction. If you think about it, it's that your body gets so used to you ping-ponging between restricting and binging that it kind of knows that when you binge, a restriction tends to follow and you know you're going to be good again on Monday or you know once you finish this block of chocolate, you're not going to let yourself buy it again for a really long time. So you're anticipating a future restriction. Mm-hmm. But then it's like... I've got to get it all in now. What I thought, look at that, that mental load. Like, look how many steps ahead your brain is already thinking about. Isn't that wild? And so, Sammy, what was it like for you healing your relationship with food? I'm, I'm really hearing that that's the key to, you know, a lot of these challenges with binge and emotional eating. You said, one, it's really identifying what's that point that you get to before you dive into the, the coping mechanism or the habit that you've formed. What is that? What was your journey like in healing that relationship that you had with food and diet culture, your body? It was a bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> yes. be honest. Yes. That was the juicy yes. stuff. It, like I said before, like I, I struggled to find someone who really understood what I was going through and could help me. So I kind of floundered in just trying to figure my shit out completely on my own. Um which is why I do the work that I do now because I have more structure and I can actually guide clients through it and not have to go through what I went through. But I had to experience that opposite end of the pendulum swing for an extended period of time. I had to get all of the dieting out of my system. I had to completely stop tracking and weighing my food and all of those things. And I had to kind of lean into the 
cringe a little bit initially. And I'm not going to say that that's like the very best thing to do, but I guess for me in the end, it kind of worked out okay. Yeah. Um, have you, have you read the book, The Fuck It Diet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what I did. Caroline Duna too. Is it? Yeah. 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 She's great. Yeah. Um, so you had to lean into that. You leaned into that binge and, and that's what I think that book really is about. But it, it almost sounds like you were just saying like, I need to break this pattern of constant yeah. dieting. Like I'm going to have, have to have the food in my house and binges might happen, but I'm going to need to let it be okay. Yeah. I think I had to reach the point of getting that out of my system so that I could find that like happy place in the middle again like try and stop that pendulum from swinging and to just let it kind of upswing until it naturally like settled again in the middle um so I needed to experience full food freedom I had to experience not anticipating a future restriction like I fully had to put that to the side and say there is no diet in my foreseeable future I will not be doing that anytime that I can see and right now I just have to focus on letting myself not feel restricted anymore letting myself just be able to eat whatever I want to eat so that eventually I could get to the point where I could eat what I want and what I need but I just couldn't I couldn't get in the nutrients without that feeling restricted because I think I had almost like a level of trauma from my dieting experiences but I was just like I couldn't eat salad I could not eat salad for such a long yeah, yeah, time. I feel that. Because I just, I had so many sad salads with like sugar-free dressing, all those Walden Farms, calorie-free dressing for this chemical shit stolen. Very, do not recommend. Um, but there were so many things like that that I just had associated certain like healthful, great foods that I now love again. But they were like diet foods to me. So I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I just had to be less healthy for looks like six to 12 months where I just had to kind of let it go and like I did gain weight and I'm not going to say that that is like the healthiest way to go about things but for me it was kind of how restrictive I was coming from I kind of needed to go through that in order to find that middle ground and now like I love salad again I just don't have boring sad salads and I'll add cheese or I'll you know put stuff in it that actually makes it really enjoyable there is nothing worse than a boring, sad salad, is there? Uh, oh, my God. Like, when people just eat, like, plain lettuce leaves and, like, a cherry tomato, and I'm like, what? Like, that's your food? Like, this makes no sense, you know? And so, Sammy, what was that? Like, what was running through your brain in that moment when you were, you know, you mentioned you were gaining weight, your body was changing, you were eating, you know, quotation marks, unhealthier than you you had been used to, and what what was that like for your brain? I imagine it must have been difficult. Yeah, it was really conflicting because I think part of me was so ashamed about it, truly, because I was working in the fitness industry and I felt like I needed to have my shit together. And this was happening in front of, I had around 40,000 followers at the time, so it was a lot of eyes on me and I felt that immense pressure so I was a little bit, yeah, like embarrassed that I was struggling so much. Um, but I also was like, I'm not proud of these behaviors, but I also just know that it's necessary. I know I just need to let go a little bit because the grips that diet culture had on me for such a long period of time, like I just had to break away. Um, 
So thankfully, like the worst of it really was probably only around three months. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I gained 10 to 12 kilos in that first three months Mm -hmm. um, after being in a ridiculously too thin body. So like uh, most of that 10 to 12 kilos was absolutely necessary for like my hormone function and all that good stuff. Um, But yeah, I, I felt a little bit of relief as well stopping the dieting and just being like as much as I hate that my body is changing and I hate that I feel out of control I also feel like I have to think about it less and that was the most freeing thing I think to be like I don't have to weigh my food and I can just eat whatever I want and sure like it's not the healthiest right now but I needed to experience that Mm. um so it is like that's different to I guess the way I walk through it with clients now and you know I have some other parameters to kind of make sure we at least get some nutrients in and that we you know shorten this period of like the total upswing where possible without it feeling restrictive but it's about just creating that sense of food freedom and giving them permission and making sure they give themselves permission to have that freedom and to settle into that middle ground as early as we can of like that equal balance of what I want and what I you know really listening to yes I might enjoy pizza and want to eat pizza all the time but also how does it make me feel and can I have pizza but also have some salad on the side because I know that that helps me digest things well or make sure I'm getting in enough water today or a little bit of fruit because I know I'm having a really carb heavy dinner or something so that will help I chuck along my body Mm -hmm. so there's yeah different ways I guess now compared to myself yeah like i just wanted to make that super clear because it ah yeah i wouldn't recommend it definitely want to recommend it but i learned so much about myself and i think had i not gone through that i wouldn't have the perspective that i have for the clients that i help now and i truly think it made me the best counselor i can be by just having all of that lived experience and really just totally understanding what my clients go through and being able to come out the other side and then help people in a way that I needed help, you know, six, seven years ago is so cathartic for me. It's very healing to be like, I wish that I had me back then, but you have me now. It's so incredible, isn't it? That feeling being like, just like, fuck yes. Like, yeah. hallelujah. This is fantastic. You know? Yeah. yeah, that's so true. And wow. Like, I, I really appreciate you sharing what the journey was really like for you. You know, it, it would be really easy for you to say, oh, I followed my program from A to B to C to D and this is what happened. And then I just all... instantly learned how to eat intuitively. No, that's just hard. Oh my God. Yeah. Because you have no intuition after a certain point. Like when I had lived so closely by just what my fitness pal told me I could eat, like I completely lost all my intuition. I didn't know when I was hungry and when I was full other than the extremes. I knew when I was starving and I knew when I was so full I would burst. But anything in between, I just had none of those cues. I didn't know how to register them. So that was a really big part of that like upswing period was just being like I need to learn where is a comfortable fullness and where is a comfortable hunger of cueing me I should eat now instead of waiting for my stomach to be rumbling and I feel like I'm gonna pass out um so that's such an exploration time I guess for anyone coming out of dieting and trying to learn how to eat intuitively you won't have a very strong intuition initially you've got to relearn it and that's why I give a few of those parameters now and they look Let's not fully go into your intuition. Let's be like 80% intuitive, but 20% 
let's just tick a couple of boxes each day just to make sure that we don't forget about the things that we're just dysregulated around. That's so, so beautiful the way that you put it there. And I remember actually someone, I can't remember who it was, I did an interview someone quite a while ago and they said that thinking about food is actually a hunger cue. And I was like, what? Like, I just thought that was my brain, you know, fantasizing about food. And when I started thinking about it more and applying it, I was like, oh, wow, it's so true. Like that thinking about food absolutely comes, you know, a a many steps before my stomach is actually rumbling. You know, it is one of its first cues. Are there any other hunger cues that kind of surprised you that you noticed? Um. Well, I actually had the opposite to you. I would start to notice that I stopped thinking about food at a certain point in my meal. And to me, that starts to signal like a little bit more fullness when I get distracted. Also, I have ADHD, so it could be that. But, you know, I will notice if I'm like halfway or three quarters of the way through my food and I start picking up my phone and scrolling or I look over to the kitchen and go, I should put that away. Like, yes, I'm easily distracted, but like if I'm hungry, I will be into my food. So I actually start to notice that or like that was one of the first things that came back when I was like, I'm not eating this so quickly that it's gone before I even realize like I'm slowing down and being really present. And if I start to notice that I'm getting distracted, maybe I'm actually done with this meal. So I practice sort of walking away and like leaving it there for a few minutes and saying like, am I still hungry? Do I want to put it in the fridge for tomorrow? And that was a really like weird thing to me to be like, I didn't know I could stop thinking about food. Yeah. But there are so many other signs of like both hunger and fullness that we don't realize. Like on the hunger side of things, um, energy dips are a really big one, you know, and we a lot of the time just think, oh, I just need another coffee. No, your body is probably just telling you that it needs maybe a little bit more fuel. And so that's a really big one that I coach clients through in terms of like what are the times of day that you have this energy dip which is typically around that like 3 p.m yeah. most people um and does that then mean you try and just have a coffee or just have like a couple of strawberries or something to tie you over and then you wonder why the second you get in the house you binge mm. okay well that's because you've actually been hungry for several hours now and you haven't honored that maybe we need to plan a more substantial snack at 2 two thirty um to kind of get ahead of that energy dip and it's wild how like crazily things can kind of change and they won't end up binge eating if they just start to actually notice how their body's feeling Mm, totally yeah and I really I really do recognize that as well you know when you start kind of losing interest in the food that you're eating and thinking about other things or getting distracted that's totally like such a great cue for for me and anyone listening to go oh okay Maybe that's one of the first signs of, oh, I'm getting a bit more full, you know? Um, so we've covered, you know, healing the relationship with food. A lot of it is about connecting to these hunger and fullness cues. The other side of the well, other side of the coin that I really would love to, to chat with you about is the body image side. And I know for me, um, I tried to heal my relationship with food after an eating disorder probably like 20 times. You know, and I found myself continuing to go back to, you know, I'd see an advert come up that on a certain pill or a shake or a, you know, cleanse or something I could do. And it would just reel me back in, you know, over and over and over again. And most of it was the challenge of I was starting to see my, I was not actually see, I was starting to feel my body changing, you know, and it was one of those things where 
I don't even think my body had changed. It was just, I was going, oh my God, I'm eating more. I must be changing. So on the body image side of stuff, what came up for you there in your journey? Um, That was probably honestly the hardest part because I had, like when I was in the thick of worst of my binge eating issues was right off the back of me looking very lean for years straight and amassing a social media following and like I said I had all these eyes on me people watching me not only struggle with food but watch me gain weight noticeably very quickly um so I felt I felt an element of pressure but I didn't people were actually like surprisingly supportive which was wonderful like I think I've just been so fortunate to have such a supportive community that people were just like rallying for me at all times which was very helpful um but I felt like I'd lost a piece of my identity for a little while because I was like well this is what people know me as you know I've built this platform based on that I'm a shreddy little competitor and I'm this scrappy little thing that's like six-pack abs and working so hard and I'm here on the stairmaster I look a certain way and I was really fearful that I was going to lose my following which meant that my business would struggle because that's when I was primarily doing health and fitness coaching and people would find me through Instagram so like I know it seems like a superficial thing to care about followers but that was my business right that was where I get my leads from um and I was like oh my god I've gained all this weight like everything's gonna go to shit now my whole life's gonna fall apart and then we broke and I was like falling to spirals and it was I think just kind of figuring out how to get through that was probably the big this key because for me I had to kind of force myself to go okay like I won't be known for my body anymore I won't be that like poster girl for the abs anymore what can I offer what are the good things about me what are the ways that I actually am still a great coach or still have something to say on socials and how can I still impact people and really trying to focus on that angle was the biggest game changer of all to just step back and say what do I actually like about myself? What is good about me? If I don't like my body, can I survive that? Can I put that to the side and say, I don't have to have a great body, but I can still be a great person. Um, and I think that's really where I kind of found my value and picked that self-worth back up again and went, you know what? Like, it's fine. It's fine if my body isn't the way I want it to look, but that doesn't take away from all of the great things that I can do. And I, I still hold that belief now. I think that's something that probably around six months into that like binging and weight gain journey I started to change my perspective and I've held so tied onto it ever since and my body has changed more since then like I've definitely gained more weight over the years uh, but I don't really care oh my god I love it I'm not gonna say I wouldn't like if I had a magic wand and I could easily change my body of course I would I would also have a lot and I would also have naturally blonde hair so like fail with my next hair but you know like I just it means so little to me now like every now and then I might have an off day with my body image but it's very rare because for the most part I'm like uh okay whatever this is how I look I can still do my job I can still be impactful people still care about me I still like me and like that's really the most important thing yes oh my god that is so true and Sammy, I really just want to love and acknowledge on your honesty there about, hey, if I had a magic wand and I could change these things about my body and my appearance, 
I friggin' would, you know, I'm a human being, right? That doesn't make yeah. a bad person, anything like that. But it also doesn't mean that you need to continue harming your body in order to get there. And yeah. yeah and, and what I really feel from you in this lens is this thing of accepting your body rather than this pressure to love your body. For me, when I was first healing, it was all the, the rage was all about self-love and loving your body and appreciating all the things it can do. And I literally wanted to turn around to these people and say like, fuck you. I don't love my body sometimes. I fucking hate it sometimes. And I don't want to feel even more shame if that's what I'm feeling right now. And when I came across this, you know, body acceptance movement and my my loving mantra, which is something I literally use every single day, especially I've started online dating again and putting up pictures of myself. I've found myself getting so like freaked out and secure. And it's this mantra of my body is the least interesting thing about me, you know, and focusing on who I actually am. And I imagine that those challenges will come up as well with aging later in life too, right? Like I imagine yeah. I'll loop up again. Um, but this theme I think of body acceptance and neutrality which I really feel is something you heavily promote was that something that was really game-changing for you yeah for sure because I felt the same thing like I felt like I needed to learn to love my body and I think that that's like great and I certainly have moments of that but I kind of I guess it's kind of like loving someone in an obsessed way with rose-colored glasses on <laughs> loving like your annoying little sister that you're like, we don't always get along, but I love you anyway, right? Sometimes you're driving a freaking wall, but I still love you. That's kind of the relationship that I think more represents body acceptance. It's like, you know what? It does. Every day doesn't have to be a great day, but you still show up for yourself anyway. You still care for your body. You're still like trying to treat it with kindness, moving it in a way that feels good, still eating well and all of those things to show like respect but like you don't have to be like I love every single inch of myself and I love my flaws and I love my stretch marks and I love my stuff. Like, like you don't you don't have to love that. But you also don't want to be like hating on yourself actively for it, right? And yeah. that like sort of removal of all of those intensely negative self-hating thoughts and just getting to a place where it's like, uh, if I could change it, I would, but like, this is who I am. I still love myself. I can still wear that outfit, even with my lumps and bobs and whatever. Um, and I think that that's a more attainable place for people to get to versus like full blown body love, because mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I, like I said, I don't always love my body. I don't always love how my body looks, but I always love the concept of my body. I love that this body moves and lets me do the thing things I want to do other than the fact that it, my body really does not love running and I wish it would get on board with me a little more on that and not hurt so much but um you know I'm still I'm still here just being kind to it like if my jeans feel a little too snug one day I'm not like oh my god I'm a piece of shit I hate myself I need to go on a diet and I absolutely have had those thoughts pop up in many years ago and now I'm just like uh, okay <laughs> and that's it and that's wow. cool. And then I move on with my day. Mm, and that's so, I think, amazing for anyone to hear who's in that space right now that it is possible, but that you also don't have to set the super high expectation for yourself that you're never going to, you know, never going to have negative thoughts about your body, that you're going to have this perfect relationship with food. I think for a long time, I thought that, you know, healing this, I would get to this place where I 
you know, loved my body and where I could leave a block of chocolate in the fridge for two months and only have two pieces at a time. I thought that was the goal. And yeah, that was so like, I remember just thinking like, how the fuck am I going to get there? Like that seems impossible right now. Whereas shifting those goalposts and grounding in reality and also the society that we live in, right? The society that we live in sometimes makes it damn hard to actually love or to like your body. And I don't think that's through any fault of your own. You know, it, it is a byproduct of the world that we live in as well. And sometimes we have to be realistic about that. And I'll close this out, Sammy, with asking you, what would you say to anyone going through these challenges right now with binge eating, emotional eating, body image struggles, who's in that really hard place in their journey? What what would you love them to know right now? I would want them to know that it doesn't have to be that way because I don't think I really understood that until I was out of it. And now that I feel the freedom that I feel and this all of this mental real estate that I have back, <laughs> I'm like, wow, like you don't have to go about your whole day stressing about your body and thinking about what you're eating. Like it's absolutely possible. So many clients will come to me and be like, I'm just a binger. That's just who I am. I feel like I'm never going to be able to conquer this. I've tried everything. And I think that really closes you off to the possibility of that things can get better. So I just want to be that living embodiment of like, you can get out of it, but you probably just need a little bit of help, right? You need a little bit of support. You need someone in your corner rooting for you, whether that's a friend, a family member, whether that's seeking help from a professional. There are definitely people that can help you. Um, and I'm seeing more and more people who do the kind of work that I do, this sort of early stage intervention and more sort of disordered eating than full-blown eating disorder mm. kind of realm. Um so many more practitioners that can help now more than ever so even if it's a once-off call or something like that you know seek help get some perspective get some strategies under your belt um because you definitely could come out the other side far happier far more free and just feeling more like yourself instead of being controlled by all of these numbers and worries Totally. And or being controlled by your watch. Do you ever remember yeah. being controlled by how uh, your watch? Yeah. I remember pacing up and down. I had like another 500 steps just walking around this tiny apartment or something. Yeah. Crazy. And you're like, what the fuck am I doing? And my life is literally being controlled by a machine. Like, what am I up to? Oh my God. Um, I could talk to you about this for hours. But <laughs> mean, just to close, what are the next steps that people can take with you? I know that you have different sorts of resources as well as coaching becoming a client what is the kind of process that somebody could go through to start learning more and, and starting that journey with you um probably best place to start is my instagram sammy rose s-a-m-i rose um i have lots of informative reels and bits and pieces i have a little link in my bio that takes you to some free resources, workshops, things like that. I have a little really cheap, I think it's $29 for a little binge eating workshop that has some great starting points. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially, probably the best place to go is to book a 15-minute consultation with me and we can just jump on a call, chat through ways I can help you and kind of figure out what's the best way to go about that. Um, most people I generally will work with as a counseling client. That seems to be the easiest, most effective way because it's not locked into anything because some people need 
two or three sessions and some people need to see me for six plus months. And so usually doing that is a good route to go down, but start with a free consultation. I can point you in the right direction of where I feel is best to go from there. Amazing. And I love that you've got like a, you know, low cost, accessible binge eating kind of workshop for somebody that might just want to learn a little bit more. Because I think it's, you know, sometimes it's really hard to reach out for help, you know, like it's like, I remember it took me a long time to even admit the issues that I was having. And so having something like a free podcast that we're talking about today and then moving into paying, you know, $29 for a workshop to learn a little bit more and then moving into booking a call, that could be a beautiful journey for you to go down, you know. And I want to say to anyone listening, you know, please do not beat yourself up for having some of these challenges. I know it feels like you're alone and that other people don't have these challenges, but I think both Sammy and I can tell you, believe me, there are a lot of people that do face these challenges. Sometimes it's just not spoken about as as much as I wish it it would be, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's why Sammy is so amazing because you're actually sharing what some of this stuff is like, which is really painful, you know? Um, so Sammy, thank you so much for sharing all of this information and for sharing really about your story and your journey. I think it's really important that we hear that because I know people will see parts of themselves in you and in your journey and that will really make it you know feel alive for them um so thank you for being so honest with us no problem thank you for having me wow what an incredible episode I know that I took away so many things about the journey of healing your relationship with food with your body body acceptance and yeah, being well, being well in our bodies. So huge thank you to Sammy for taking part in this episode, being an amazing guest. Thank you to you for listening. If you've made it all the way through to the end, I know it's because that this issue, this challenge is probably really alive for you. So I really encourage you to, one, give yourself some compassion today with it and to start to take some gentle, loving steps towards where you want to be, whether that's going and looking up Sammy's page, whether that's, you know, buying her $29 workshop, whatever it is, um, or talking even to a friend or a family member about this. And yeah, I just really want to encourage you in that space because like Sammy said, it doesn't need to be this way. It's not meant to be this way. This relationship with food in your body, it does not need to stay this way for the rest of your life. Can you imagine being 50, 60, 70 years old and still feeling this way? So I really hope that this episode has inspired you to take some action because you deserve, if no one's told you this today or for a long time, you deserve to feel happiness and at home in your body. You deserve to feel like you're allowed to give yourself some love and remember that difference there that self-acceptance and body acceptance changed the game for me you know it wasn't about loving my body every single step of the way it was just simply about accepting that this is what I've got to work with right now I don't need to love it but I also don't need to hate it either I will link everything to get in touch with Sammy inside of the show notes we have another amazing guest coming on next week who's just oh I, I'm a bit in disbelief that all this is happening with guests so fast. So please stay tuned next Thursday. And as I've said in the beginning, my biggest ask of you, if you have just taken anything from this episode, is to please share it. Share it far and wide. That is the greatest way for this podcast to grow. Thank you so much. I love you. I see you. And I can't wait to see you next week.